one, morning to you. Right, let's have a recap, please, on our last episode. Yeah, so we've been going on about how there's independent financial traders out there that we think are a new asset in the making. Uh, you know, they, they can trade. Anyone gets access to an online broker and, and uh, trading platform these days. But there's a problem that they need to solve if they want to graduate from amateurs to professionals, right? And that's the, the trade peanuts, make peanuts problem. Yeah. Um, we, we think uh, an open trader exchange, which is what we think of ourselves as, is the best approach to make traders investable. Uh, it is Darwinian because, you know, it's it's tough to beat the market, but it's fair in that everybody gets a shot at, at proving the, the worth. And then, of course, the fit rise and, and the rest uh, well, they come back with the risers, I guess. So that's what we are, an open trader exchange where everybody is legally investable by everyone else. And that sets us apart for uh, from the trader standpoint because we are an FCA regu regulated asset manager that gives them regulatory cover to charge investors. Um, they know that investors replicate instead of copy the trades and that's yep. the only way for them to be 100% sure that they're charging 20% success fee from all the investor profits. Uh, there's no such thing as free riding the way you have it with copy trading where people basically back you with peanuts on the copy trading site yep. and then they've got millions trading elsewhere and you, you never know how much they made behind your back. Now, of course, this uh, it takes two to tango. So uh, in addition to being the best for the investors, we, we basically give all investors the opportunity to invest in all traders. I mean, this is a very important one. Uh, people from the street don't get the option to invest in the best hedge funds, right? Yep. So here, it's of course, it's first come, first served, but everybody gets the chance to join the queue. And there is a third party managing the risk, uh, which ensures that investors are protected in case traders uh, exceed their, their normal risk appetite. Yeah. Okay. So, so just basically when you say first come, first served, is, is there an amount of money behind a trader that you would sort of you say right this is the maximum that yeah so that's a very good point uh yes so traders have limited capacity i mean yeah. one of the one of the reasons they make money is that it's a lot easier to make 30 percent on a couple of million than it is to make it on 200 million right so the there are micro strategies that are easier to manage when you're when you have no overheads when you're outside of a financial institution and that is the the upside the the downside to it is that once there's a couple of million in it or maybe like 10 uh it's full because the the slippage destroys the profitability for the last incoming investors right so at some point uh yes the, and it has already happened we've already had to shut down two of the Darwins because you they have. were essential. Yeah, we have, yes. There's a THA and VTJ uh, are uh, are now, actually THA remains close to investors. VTJ managed to optimize the execution to reduce slippage and uh, they're back open again. But yes, we have already shut down a couple of them. Okay, very interesting. Right, sorry to interrupt. No, no, of course. Uh, uh, so that leaves us with a challenge, right? Yeah. This thing with being an exchange and giving everyone a shot is great. Uh, because everybody is technically investable, mm -hmm. but uh, you know that doesn't mean you should invest into every one of them. And actually, most of them are not investable, right? <laughs> right. So, so this is about winners uh, and losers. 
it's winners and losers. So you basically think of it as a haystack where you've got them both. Uh, and of course, uh, far larger numbers of losers than you have winners. Yeah. And you have to find the needle in the haystack. That's yep. the that's the game. So the rise of the fittest does not only apply to the traders, it also applies to the investors or the traders of traders because we, we don't provide investment advice. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, and that's when we say an exchange, we, I don't think everybody internalizes what exchange means, right? Uh, so I get this a lot. So Juan, who should I back? Well, you know, if we're an exchange, imagine NASDAQ Telling you what to buy. buy. Crazy. Yeah, telling you to buy Apple, right? Yeah. Then you know, the next thing that happens is that, you know, A, if you're a smart investor, you should wonder why are these guys recommending Apple? You know, what's in it for them? Yeah. And uh, the other one is, you know, uh, Bill Gates would be all over the place, right? Saying, how dare you recommend Apple? I'm just going to withdraw my shares from, from NASDAQ and Microsoft's gone, right? Understood. So we, we have to remain neutral. Right. Uh, because... Because if we did lose, you know, if we if we did uh, lose our neutrality, then we'd lose our credibility as an exchange because we'd have a conflict of interest, right? Yeah. So we could recommend that people go for high rotation Darwin's that make us more commissions, uh, we, or even high leverage uh, Darwin's. Again, the same thing, and and also so that's one reason we're kind of losing neutrality. But the other one would be even worse, and that would be to, you know, we are an exchange based on the premise that the crowd is smarter than any one of its members and we are one of the members in the crowd so if we if we said yes we recommend what to do we would sort of self-appoint ourselves to the only expert in finding the deals in the haystack and yeah sure probably would be better in the beginning than the average guy but who's to say we are the best right so yeah it's, it's that's all logical yeah, so that we're kind of creating a level playing field where we are neutral and that breeds hopefully an ecosystem in the future of Darwin managers who could eventually conceivable create the, their own Darwin funds. Why yep. not? Okay. okay. But then, you know, coming back to, so again, no investment advice. And this is very important because a lot of people ask us for it and we'll never give it. Uh, and and that brings us to the next thing. It's like you're you're on your own, right? How do you find the investable needle in this Darwinian haystack? And it's your call, not ours. Well, now, to say that we're neutral doesn't mean that we can't help. So we, what we can do is we can provide information and, of course, tools to help you in your quest for the needle. Um, so everybody who joins the Darwin can see the risk-return curve. So you can see the equity curve. And uh, we will also shortly release a Darwin API for people who love trading algorithms to trade Darwin's like another asset. Okay. So that's one iris, kind of the raw risk return information. The second element is uh, meta information on on what others are doing about Darwin. So you can look for the Darwin that has the most investors or the one that has the most capital or the one that has gained the most investors in recent periods. And that sort of gives you, lets you stand on the shoulders of the crowd because you don't have to do the heavy lifting. You know, you can just you know, basically follow the the, the, the crowd, yeah, and uh, and know who's investing there. Which which again is another it's another you know uh, key insight. And then the last one, and that's kind of the main focus of the of today's episode, because the first two are pretty much self-explanatory, is what we call the investable attributes. Okay, the uh, the, the the kind of the qualities in a trader DNA that make it more likely that 
past returns carry over into the future, uh, as opposed to just lucky guys who've made money because they had a good year but didn't really know what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the, the, the exchange comes complete with uh, tools to slice and dice the entire Darwin community on the basis of the three filters. So you can basically look for people who've made a lot of money, people who've gained a lot of investors, or people who have uh, good investable uh, skills okay. together with the API. Okay, so that's kind of the basic. And now we go, you know, a lot of people go, uh, what the fuck, right? Uh, these Darwin investable attributes, what is that? Okay. Well, I guess the simplest way to explain it for anyone who's played FIFA football or like a video game is you can think of it as the 12 grades that rate players in our fantasy trader game. Okay. okay. So, so like just, you know, just like you've got football, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo used to be a 10 for speed. He's more like a seven now. But still a ten for uh, left, right, uh, like like left foot and right hit, uh, right foot I mean, on tackles or whatever. So we do the same thing for traders. That's the 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 idea. And we've got twelve grades, who rate the traders on the criteria that we think make up a good trader instead of a lucky one. Okay, interesting. So important information about the grades. They're only based on live trades. Yeah. Right? Okay. So demo trade. You know, demo doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, uh, Anything that's not live trades doesn't count. Very good. Uh, the grades are updated trade by trade. Yeah. So you kind of continuously rise or fall. Yeah. And they're rated zero to ten. You know, where ten is good and zero is is bad. Uh, important as well, each grade is independent from every other grade. So okay. the fact that you know you're fast yep. has got nothing to do with you know the way that you're you... right or wrong on a trade. Yeah. Got yeah, it. Okay. So, uh, so you can have a long enough track record, but you still have shitty risk management for instance yep and then we the, the the 12 grades are criteria that every knowledgeable trader should agree that the part of what makes a good trader so that there should be no discussion about you know that this category belongs in the rating uh every trader should agree that more is better all other things equal and you know, there's a technical one as well, which is that risk level doesn't really matter because, as you know, the Darwins are all equally risky. Okay, so if you have a strategy A and a strategy B, which is essentially a transformation of strategy A with twice the leverage, yeah, that that doesn't change any of the grades one iota. Okay. 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 So that was kind of enough of the theory. Uh, all these 12 grades are then summarized into a 0 to 100 Darwin X score, just like in FIFA. I mean, that, I guess that's kind of self-explanatory. And, um, you know, there's too much detail in this to, to really cover the 12 grades in a single episode uh, because there's five years worth of, of quants in, invested in them. Okay. But the, the core purpose of the whole thing is to run an additional bunch of checks on top of past performance to achieve a high degree of confidence in ruling out luck as a source right. of returns. Yeah, like okay. that. So uh, that's because lucky traders delivered return yesterday, but you know the luck will run out tomorrow. I mean, it doesn't carry over into the future. Whereas good investable traders that delivered yesterday returns, you, you know at the very least that you've got a set of skills that will be on your side in the, in the future doesn't guarantee that it will continue making money in the future but at the very least you know that at the very least they know how to preserve capital which is you know it's a starting point okay so um so 
without going into, into kind of a lot of detail, anybody can find these 12 grades going to the interface. These are the 12 circles that they'll see that uh, kind of are green when you've got a high score, the yellow when you've got a bad score, and the red when you've got a shit score, basically. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and it's really, they're answering six questions, okay? So I'll, I'll, I'll go through them in, in a sequence. The first question is kind of, will the strategy stand the test of time? Okay, so yep. if you've only had a strategy that's that's kind of been going on for a week, there's no way anyone could just by looking at the live trades uh, tell if it's just a lucky monkey or George Soros who's taking the trades. Yep. Okay, so again, the grades come up with a it's a bit like a badge with a two-letter summary. So EX would be the first badge. Uh, it stands for experience. Of course, the more experience you've got, the better. Uh, the other one, which is in this in this kind of will the strategy stand the test of time, is MC, which stands for market correlation. Now that's an interesting one. For instance, so if you have a guy who trades gold and gold is in a huge bull run, and the guy has been trading mostly long, then you know he's doing well, right? Yeah. Now what happens the moment the, the yeah exactly bull, bull is over? <laughs> well, that's it, right? So that that was a guy with high market correlation, and therefore you should basically be wary of a guy who's just basically a one-trick pony, really. Yeah. Okay. okay, the first question. Then the second question is, can we, from the live trades supplied to us, attest to professional risk management? Okay, so a good trader will roughly risk about the same on every trade because if you risk roughly the same on every trade and you're winning, you know that on average your trades are winners. Yeah. If you take you know, five low risk gambles and you take out one huge uh, gamble on a single trade, well, the, you haven't really taken six trades, you've really taken one gamble uh, and five little punts. So the, the outcome of your strategy is dependent on the outcome of the very large risk trades. And this is an interesting one because you see a lot of people who basically manage to have a shitty strategy and think they're good which is bad because they've just been lucky on a, on a couple of good trades. Yeah. But there are people who manage to ruin a good strategy by gambling too much on any bad trade and thinking that it's the strategy that's wrong, and whereas it was just the one trade that went wrong. So you've got both examples of what you could do to ruin a strategy with bad risk management. Okay. So there's two grades for that. One is risk stability, which basically says your strategy has about the same risk over time. So you know you didn't take more risk in January than you took in December. Yep. And then the risk adjustment uh, does this on a trade level. So, uh, you know, you roughly take about the same risk on every position. There's no big outliers in that. So it's, it's, it's both are measuring roughly the same thing, but one is doing it as a, at a micro level and the other one is doing it at the more macro level. Okay. Yep. Now, importantly, this doesn't mean, uh, this is an interesting thing, is that uh, this doesn't mean that you should take high or low risk. We don't really care one hood if you take high risk or low risk. It's your money which is want you to take consistent risk, okay? If you remember, because if you take consistent risk, then it's quite easy to say, hey, you know, I know Moose is a consistent risk taker, mm -hmm. but I want a third of Moose's risk, then all I need to do is take a third of his leverage. Yeah, understood. So as long as you're consistent, I'm all done. If, you're, if your leverage is all over the place, then I need, I need to be watching each and every trade from you, and that's not good, okay? So that's yep. kind of what we're like that. Okay, then uh, the next one is about timing. So the question is, is the strategy better than random going in or out of trades? <laughs> okay, so what if you, what would happen if you always opened your trades earlier? Well, 
you know, if you always open your trades at the exact right time, then always opening your trades earlier would result in worse performance, right? Yep. So we can basically check that on the way in and on the way out of trades and all other things equal, somebody who seems to open the trades at what seems like the right moment or somebody who open, uh, closes the trades at what seems like the right moment is better, all other things equal, than anyone else. Interestingly enough, what we see here, this is a, a kind of uh, a pretty fun one. Um, so opening trades, the community is just random. It's like a, like a monkey. You know, it's a, it's a five out of 10 because you know, going in uh, earlier or later wouldn't change one bit. Now, closing trades. Yeah. <laughs> the community is, is far better than random. So it kind of it's got like a 5.6 on average. It's kind of telling you you're bored and you go into the trades because, you know, why not? But when your money's at stake, you really kind of focus and, and uh, make sure you, you exit at the right time. That's so, interesting. The, so, yeah. so on that analysis, can you tell if generally people should be in those positions for a longer or shorter period of time? Yeah, so in, in some cases we can because we, we benchmark the each strategy against 10 random strategies that go in systematically earlier or later. So right. you can see that if, you know, the exits are better, like the, the, the strategies exiting systematically later than you do better than you, that's telling you you're going out of trade too, too early. Right, interesting. Uh, not always, but you, you can get some very interesting insights, especially for algo developers from it. Right. Okay, so we've covered uh, standing test of time, risk management, and timing. Yep. Uh, and of course, timing has two OS, which is open strategy, and CS, which is closing strategy. Then uh, the other one is kind of a, a measure of discipline. So all other things equal, is there a pattern to the strategy or not? If there is a pattern, that gives me some degree of confidence mm. that I can go into a desert island for a month, and I know that at the very least, the trader hasn't changed the way he trades. Yep. Now, if there isn't, then I will not have the same degree of confidence. This is not good or bad, but you know, all other things equal, you prefer it, right? Yeah. So, so we basically check uh, what is the typical return on your winning trades, what is the typical return on your losing trades, and what is the typical duration of your trades. Okay. So, somebody who tells me, hey, I go into the market for at most eight hours. I've got a take profit at 40 pips and a stop loss at 60 pips, and you know, the only outcome of my trade is either the eight hours are over, in which case I close, that I hit the stop loss, or I, I hit hit the take profit. Well, I have no idea about that strategy, but, you know, I know what's going on, right? Yep. Especially, especially if the guy hangs on uh, hangs on to it. Okay. okay. So the the next one, this is a classic for, for uh, retail My favorite, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's the, this is the, the loss aversion one, LA, which basically measures whether the strategy lets the losers run. Yep cuts the winners early uh, and that is because somebody who lets the losers run and cuts the winners early could be prone to loss aversion he could be under stress he doesn't know how to manage the, the the trades and you probably you know all other things being equal he's less preferable to other strategies that have uh, the same results okay yeah uh, and actually, this is where you see that people who trade on, on high leverage end up chickening out uh, and uh, the community as a whole tends to do that quite a bit Okay, so so when you say chicken out, what as in they won't they won't cut out their losses? Correct. Yeah, they're much more likely to cut a winning trade of twenty pips than they are to cut a losing trade of twenty. Twenty pips. pips. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there's it's a, it's a asymmetric because of that. Yeah. Now, notice we've talked about meanwhile ten of the twelve badges and what is missing, Moose. Okay, so my next question would be comparable strategies, right? 
Yeah, no, so we haven't even talked about the, whether the strategy is making money or losing. Okay. So, right? so are so you profitable? Kind of, yeah, so, like, but the, the interesting thing here is, like, if you want to be using bold of trading, you don't go in on the first day and say, hey, I want to run the 100 meters in 919 because you can't influence that. What you can influence is your start. Yeah. Your stride length. You know your strength, the balance of your legs, and your you know the, the the technique is what you can master. And then you'd hope that if you put the right efforts into the right elements of the technique, the results follow. Right. So we've yeah, talked okay. about. Yeah. yeah. So you're on. But do traders really operate like that? Do do I do I build well, up to nine point nine, or do I think because I'm a superstar no. that I, I can do it this week? Well, they they, they don't. Do that, but I think the, the important thing is that if you want to go into a, if you want to back a good trader for tomorrow, then all the stuff we've discussed so far is a foundation that is going to limit your downside. Okay, well this is this is risk on this is your this is your risk management tool on that individual, right? No, well, no, not really. This is just measuring the guy individually. So this is what the guy does with his own money without our need to intervene. So, of course, if we have to intervene a lot on the risk management, then the guy would get a bad grade on the risk management side of things. Right, but this is, but, this is you being big brother, okay, on his trading strategy. Well, we're, no, we are not big brother because we're not doing anything. We're just uh, doing it. But a, you're, a, you're watching a, him, right? You're, you're a CCTV. Yeah. We're X-raying the guy to inform the investor at all times of what's going on on a number of things which we think are relevant and, yeah. and tell the lucky from the from the skilled. That's what we're doing here. But but the, I mean I guess the point I wanted to make was that we've gone through ten of the badges and winning or losing has no impact on that because if you're winning or losing without covering any of the others, then that's you're not you're not going to win in the long term. Well, it's just luck, right? Okay, that's the thing. So it could be you could be winning. Uh, you know, winning is a necessary but not sufficient condition for being an investable trader. Well, the amount of young traders, or I say young, new traders, I meant, who, who start off lucky and think, well, this is easy and therefore I can do this full time. OK, yeah. it's a real pity that most people don't lose to begin with and go, wow, this is the most difficult game in the world because it really is one of the most difficult games in the world, right? Yeah, and that's why we're trying to make it more difficult than just winning. So to get a good yeah. score here, you you, you do there, there is one batch which we are now gotten onto, which is the performance batch, which tracks how many strategies with comparable risk taking do you beat? Okay, because if you if you, you, know, you if you're benchmarked against yourself uh, or people who are taking the same risks as you, yeah, that's when you really know whether you're actually delivering extra on top. Got if you're it. not delivering on top, then you're just kind of around the monkey again. Okay, okay so. So 10 on this one means that you are beating a random strategies that take the same risks as you. And that means something. Okay. And then the last one, which is really the holy grail, is, you know, is the one that kind of drives the, the 1 million versus the 1 billion outcome. So yeah. if you can come up with a strategy that makes 20% on 3 million, then you're going to make good money. If you can make a strategy that makes 30% on, on 3 billion, then you, you, you're going to be you know, one of the guys, richest guys. Okay? And uh, so that's the capacity one, which assesses how much capital you can trade on the basis of your trading style. But the capacity question is all about slippage and liquidity in the given market, right? Correct. Yeah. But I get a lot of superstars who basically say, yeah, I make like 100% a year. So what do you trade? I trade the open session on IG, like the three first minutes on the, on the Sunday night of the FX open, right? Yeah. Well, you can make a lot of 
percentage return on that, but you can bet that at some point you will, you know, you'll, you'll just, be closed. <laughs> you'll, you'll be closed. So, you know, that, that that's that's that one. Okay. Yep. So what so, is, in terms of capacity, I'm fascinated by this because I always wanted to manage three billion quid or whatever the number was. Okay, yeah. what, is, what, what, what is the most liquid asset to trade at the moment? Uh, well, obviously the euro dollar, yep. but um, depending on what times you trade and with what style. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's better to trade it at, at liquid times than it is at non-farm payroll or at 3 a.m. in the morning mm. uh, in, the, in the Asian session. So basically a new trader, okay, who's wanting to tick all the boxes, okay, and wanting to scale in the future should be trying to build a model around a euro dollar contract as opposed to an IG FTSE future on the open on a Sunday night. Yep, that's that's the one. Okay. Yeah, or maybe he, he could start with the FTSE future and kind of build up all the other skills and, and hopefully kind of get there. But he should know from the get-go that there's a ceiling to what he can make with that. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's it. Right. So uh, kind of two points to close off. I mean, if, if you're an investor, there's an on, an entire help section on the online interface to cover each of these. Uh, so, you know, there, there's plenty of information to explain these in more detail. including so, so, just, so just to say on that, actually, you're not the CCTV. The investor is the CCTV, right? Because he's got yep. access to basically score me on every trade I'm doing. Well, I guess we are the CCTV camera and the investor is the guy that uses who's, the who's, who's watching, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. so it's kind of the, the, the X-ray, yeah, whichever you want to call it. And then for, for traders, uh, we do provide a free personalized diagnostic. So if anyone wants to, un, you know, to get the, the scores from us, it's as simple as linking their account with any broker onto, onto our system. And we will provide a free diagnostic session where an, an experienced trader will explain these on the basis of the, the person's strategy to make it much more tangible. So, so, so just so that I understand that, okay, I currently trade, a, I don't know, CMC, okay, yeah. I could have, I could come to you for, a, for an MOT, okay, for you to check my trading performance out and give me some, basically some data saying that I'm doing it well, but I could do it better, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and regardless of how well you do, you're still going to save a, a lot of money by trading with us instead of with CMC because we're a far, far cheaper broker as well. Yeah. Yes, that's the that's the the gist of it. Okay. And and I guess in the next episode we'll explain that this is far more than just marketing because good grades in this amount to cash. Okay. So we had more than one million euros paid out in success fees and Darwinian dividends in the last year. Uh, to to our traders. So if anybody is keen to make, uh, I think at the current run rate is something like seventy thousand euros paid out per month to traders. If anybody's keen to find out on how to leverage what the what he's learned in this episode for cash, he better watch or listen to our next episode. Okay, just to whet my appetite on that, and I don't want to talk about the next episode too much. But so I've got the ability to trade through your your brokerage firm. Okay, at yeah. cheaper rates than a lot of the competitors. I've got yeah. the ability to basically have money tracking what I'm trading and take my return on that and now yep. you're talking about dividends as well yes and, and how much dividend are you paying out at the moment yeah so like the the, the yeah about seventy thousand euros a month and is that that's cash that's going into my account to pay my gas bill is it that is cash that is going into your and other traders account i mean this is not one guy who's making it but yep. yes that 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 is cash that you can use as you see fit okay well on that note i'm looking forward to the next episode one well, thank you very much indeed a pleasure